Let's get back to Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team, your New Mexico Broadcasters Association radio station of the year. Now, Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Welcome back to Team Talk. We've got Dr. Paul Weir, the athletic director from Eastern New Mexico University in the house. I'm Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser. Looking forward to taking you to uh, the tip-off of the Hawks and Knicks here in about 30 minutes. We'll have that game for you right here on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. And we're just picking uh, Dr. Weir's brain on a bunch of different things and uh, something that's come up uh, a few times over the last couple of weeks here uh, on Team Talk uh, is a comment that um, the head coach at Las Cruces High, William Benjamin, made when I asked him about his son, Deuce Benjamin, a a guy that won the Gatorade Player of the Year as a junior, um, led his team to an undefeated season until they lost in the championship game of the state tournament to Volcano Vista, another um, undefeated team. But here was Coach Benjamin when I asked him about his son, Deuce, um, where he might go uh, in college. Uh, right now, right now, uh, it's, it's, it's really open. Right now, New Mexico State has really uh, expressed a lot of interest in him. Um, there's been some other schools, um, some D2s, um, throughout the state and some D2s outside of the state, um, along with a couple of D1s. Um, but, but right now, Deuce is just focused on trying to finish this thing out the right way. And then I think things will open up for him uh, once, you know, uh, other schools get finished with their seasons. You know, this transfer portal is really hurting um, the guard uh, position. You know, so, so a lot of coaches are, will probably wait to see who's coming back or jumping in the portal. And, uh, you know, a lot of teams have went bold, you know, and so some teams uh, might want to go back young, and so then you have your guards that are available, uh, high school guards that that will be available for that. So, so right now, New Mexico State is 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 uh is really expressed a lot of interest in Deuce, uh, which is great, you know, because that's yeah. my my former school would love to see him go there. But there's also been some outside schools as well. So, so once it's all said and done at the end, uh, we'll sit down and kind of figure it out and and see what's the uh, what's the best move for him. So I wanted to ask you, Paul, um, you know, and this isn't just specifically about Deuce Benjamin. Um, you know, he mentioned the transfer portal, but there's this all other element that, uh, you know, is related to the extra year due to COVID. So, so now, you know, colleges, when they're trying to build their teams and they want to build them quickly, um, they have access to uh, players that have played for four years at other universities and now existing college players are actually getting an additional year during COVID. I mean, Coach Richard Patino used to talk all the time about uh, Jamal Mashburn Jr., for example, being technically a freshman this last year. Um, so, you know, when you think of Jamal Mashburn Jr. being a freshman and all those other sophomores around the country that are actually now freshmen technically, uh, it is going to make it a little bit rough Four high school kids, I would imagine. And, you know, maybe the uh, Isaiah Cars of the world, the 6'11 guys that uh, were recruited to Grand Canyon State, they're not going to suffer. But how much of an effect is this going to be uh, to high school players, in your opinion, particularly those at the guard position, if any, uh, in your opinion? Sure, yeah. I think, and I've said this to a lot of parents of high school kids over the past, you know, I guess two years now, that over the next four to five years as these additional COVID years flesh themselves out of the system, it's just, it's a supply demand curve and it's not in anyone's favor that's trying to get into that system. If 
you know, there's 350 some odd Division One schools, and there's 13 scholarships per team per per school. When you multiply all that out, and traditionally, let's just say on average, uh, uh, 25% of them are graduating every year and moving on. Well, that's not 25% anymore. Now that's whatever that might be. It could be 18. It could be 21. It could be 13. Well, that shrinks the opportunities. Obviously, for anyone else trying to enter into that profession, industry, college, whatever you want to kind of call it. So anyone trying to get into it at any position, at any level, it's, it's shrunk. Um, right around prior to COVID hitting is when the portal kind of became what people now refer to as the portal, which enables student athletes to transfer without requesting really permission from their coach they can transfer and it never used to be that way which meant that little joe o'neill sometimes wouldn't leave because he didn't have the confidence to go talk to his coach or maybe he came to his coach and said you're not going anywhere or whatever that might look like but now little joe can go online and fill out some forms and he's in the portal and your coach might not even know about it half the time so it's opened up the floodgates for kids to move so now Back to the arms race, all the big schools with all the big money, and let's take Texas Tech, for example, they go out and they go get the best player from Hampton and the best player from Winthrop and the best player from all these schools, and they say, hey, come come try us out at Texas Tech. And they do, and they do it all over the country. It happens in football. It happens in basketball. And that, again, shrinks opportunities because now uh, it's just going to keep matriculating down where other schools are now going to replace their best player at Winthrop or their best player at Hampton. They're not going to find it traditionally with a high school senior, so they're going to go down into their areas and find a way to plug them out of whatever schools they want to kind of pluck them out of. So it both of them have combined to make it a really tough time. I do think when the COVID years have kind of exhausted their way and and cycled their way through all this in four or five years, whatever that looks like, for the Mashburns of the world, when when he finally graduates and exhausts all his eligibility, then all those people will be flushed out of the system, and it will be a little bit more open to your traditional high school senior. And I think by then the portal will have settled in some way or other. You know, the last few years, any, everybody's been able to transfer without having to sit out. So there really hasn't been any downside to these Power 5 schools taking a transfer because they could play right away. There's a lot of potential legislation out there that's going to change that. Maybe you can only transfer one time. You know, maybe you can only transfer provided you can graduate on time. I mean, there's so many different moving parts to what an eventual transfer portal you know, legislation will look like outside of the complete free-for-all that it is right now. And because of COVID, they just gave everybody waivers. So in time, the NCAA and the member schools and the student-athletes will hopefully come to a system in the transfer portal that makes sense. COVID will kind of flush itself out. And then the William Benjamins of the world, who are all trying to help their sons and their daughters find places to go to school, we'll have a much better understanding of the landscape. Right now, it's very confusing. It's hard to see where it's going. It's moving on a daily basis. And I, I feel awful for, for the parents and even the kids out there who are now entering into what's supposed to be a really exciting phase of their life and the opportunities they anticipated or they saw maybe older brothers or friends or whomever engage in over the past 10 years or so are not available to them now. And, and it's, it's hard. And, and I, you feel awful for them. 
Um, but it kind of is what it is. The landscape is what it is, and everyone's just got to kind of start to do the best with what they have. So, yeah, the, the examples you mentioned about the Winthrop's or the Belmonts of the world, I mean, you know, the, the pressure on coaches to win right away is a real thing. Um, so, you know, you have a, a player, say, that showed that he could average 16 points a game and average 12, 14, then 16 a game at some uh, other school. Um, you know, isn't it very tempting to, to try to, to go that route rather than, say, Take a kid that's just coming out of high school, uh, you know, who, you know, is in the old days, uh, you know, they they were expected to really develop as college players in their sophomore and junior years. Well, you can insert a a, a bona fide uh, score uh, in that one year rather than you know have to wait on a on a high school kid. Yeah, I think the impatience that our society has begun to embody socially politically, financially, athletically, as, as fans, is real. And coaches definitely have or feel the pressure to be successful um, immediately um, or their, their job could, could potentially be at risk. So there really is no downside, particularly because of the tr- current transfer rules, which means you can be eligible right away. And the fact that a 23-year-old version of a 19-year-old person is just better. There's no other way to put it. Um, the really premier 18- and 19-year-old kids are playing in the NBA or are on some kind of very fast track to that through the Kentucky Dukes and North Carolinas, etc. So the rest of, of, of the population that really wants to go and experience good college basketball for everything that it's worth um, is... Uh, the the best of the best and from the standpoint of the power five will take the best of what's left in that population and right now it's transfers it's not you know a a mid a mid-level high school senior basketball player they're kind of you know finding themselves down and down the list and um i I, i'll give you a, a great example um, that Eastern New Mexico University just recently got a commitment from a young man here at, at Highland High School there is no Jose Murillo. There, is, there you go. My what? wife can say it that way. I can't. Um, but that, that Island High State champion yeah, uh, um, broke broke the record. By the way, I think for scoring the most points in the history of the state tournament. So which he's I'm, going. To I'm Easter. excited about. It. I, yeah. I'm high fiving my coach every day. I pass by him in the hall. But but that's you know five six years ago that might not be the case. You know that's where uh, 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 T.J. Holyfield ends up at Stephen F. Austin or his older brother Michael. I think um, ended up I believe at Sam Houston. Like you know. There was a little bit of a higher ceiling for kids than maybe there is now, just based on the the combination of all of these factors. And that, and like you said, it might be a, a benefit to a school like Eastern in some cases, and and Morillo uh, might be an example of that. Okay, something that is also a real thing is the NIL, and it was just kind of you know evolving when you were in here each and every day with us last year uh, on Team Talk. Um, and boy, is it uh, getting ready to, to gain and gain momentum. I mean, I've heard even situations where athletic departments are hiring people uh, to manage this whole NIL thing. I mean, it's, it's not something that universities can fight anymore. It's one of those where if you don't embrace it, you're going to be in trouble, especially in these Power Fives. Talk about uh, your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, I think 
the 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 New Mexicos and the New Mexico states are in this really difficult middle ground. The reality is the Power Fives, there's enough money flowing in and out of those departments that they can probably still operate and function at the level they want or very close to it and still provide all these opportunities to the young men and women that are coming through their programs, be it externally or even internally. The, the problem is the people below that, they don't have the same flow of finances coming in and out, and they're going to have to kind of start to decide are we going to start to provide all this money to the student-athletes, which potentially could come at a cost of the department and the resources and the support that we're going to provide to the entire department? And, and where, where does that start and end? And I think in the long run, the, the reality is probably that the Power Five breaks away and does their own thing. And the rest of the remaining NCAA schools might trend back towards the original model and platform, which is a little bit more towards the amateurism side and kind of pull back a little bit. But as I say that, this could go so many different ways. Uh, I believe there was even a, a lawsuit filed today against NCAA Division One schools um, for not opening up more opportunities for the kids and um, particularly for African-American men who play basketball and football and them not being as compensated as well as you know they're they're the predominantly white coaches and athletic directors etc so this can just go so many different ways obviously the political wins in the country or in the state that you happen to be will also dictate where this goes but i think anything below the power five is in a very uncertain place right now. That's the reality. I think anyone would tell you otherwise would, would, would be lying. The Power Five just has to decide, are they eventually just going to break off and do their own thing and form their own model um, and continue the enterprise that they've created? Or do they want to kind of bring people along? And the NCAA tournament is a great example of that. And, you know, that's where this thing does come together. No matter what school you are, no matter where you're from, this is still that old model of America and, and college sport and why so many people are drawn to it. But I think there's a lot of people in the Power Five level and above that don't want to give up that money anymore. It's billions of dollars that gets spread out across the land. And the Power Fives have moved away in football and formed their own thing with a bunch of money that they get to keep. What's stopping them from doing it in basketball outside of nostalgia and just being a, a good citizen of college sport? I don't know how long that maintains its grip on a model that is spreading the wealth for a group of members that right now are completely wealth-oriented, if that makes any sense. Dr. Paul Weir with us in studio, the athletic director at Eastern New Mexico University. So what you're talking about, wouldn't that actually incentivize schools to try to do a little bit more as far as pushing legislation, as far as being more involved with these NIL deals? Because, yeah, the bigger schools and conferences, there's always going to be more money associated with those deals, whether it's, you know, the, uh, what some of these schools' entire offensive lines have gotten deals for football, uh, for football programs and whatnot. But at least in trying to keep up or, you know, keep, or create that separation from getting even further, like, wouldn't that incentivize, whether it was Eastern New Mexico or, or whatever school it might be, uh, when you're separating the bigger ones from the smaller ones, yeah, Power 5 doing its own thing, but wouldn't that incentivize you guys to, to, try, to, to try to get more involved 
in NIL to create that money and to try to maybe make a bigger deal for a student athlete where you get it, where the school gets a cut, so to say, as opposed to maybe just the student athlete doing something on their own? The interesting part when, when this data starts to get truly examined and evaluated is going to be where is that money coming from? So if it's a new pot of money, then you're correct. If it's taking any anything away from the current pot of money, then I think you're backing some of these smaller schools that don't have the access to the funding that the Power Fives do. You're backing them into a corner where they're going to have to make some really difficult decisions. There's There's obviously a lot of things right now at New Mexico State, at New Mexico, that they're trying to compete with people or their peers. It could be charter planes. It could be nutrition. It could be a new weight room. It could be, um, you know, hiring additional staff members to help in mental health or academics or whatever it might be. And they're always constantly trying to do those to compare to a recruit who might be considering Arizona State, Colorado, Texas Tech, and New Mexico or New Mexico State. And you can't compete with them unless at the bare minimum you're able to you know, at least equitably provide some of the things that those people are providing. And if those coaches can sit down with a young man or woman and their parents and say, here's the full-time nutritionist and full-time psychologist and full-time tutor and the charter plane so you'll never have to miss a class and all these other things, you know, you're, you're, you're just separating those gaps from those kids' and where they may or, or may not want to go. So if the NIL money is in any way taking away from a, a UNM or a New Mexico State and their ability to provide some of those things to their student-athletes, maybe it's nutrition, maybe it's food, maybe it's more academics or a laptop or a this or a that, now those athletic directors, Mario and Eddie, are in a bind. What, what, what do I do here? Am I trying to serve the three, four, five hundred student athletes and their experience and what we can provide at UNM? Or am I going to take a little bit off that, reduce the experience for all, so that the new quarterback, the new running back, the new point guard, the new star pitcher can get their own personal NIL deal? And how does that balance itself out? Is it worth it to pull back to get that one star athlete and are they going to make our teams better or worse? And then how much do we pull back and then do now, even though they can get an NIL deal here for a certain amount, well, if they can get the same amount at that other school anyways, plus they get the better supporting resources, well, you're cutting off your nose to spite your, it's not going to do much. You're not going to push it forward. Now, again, like I said, if all that NAL money is external money, it's not affecting any of your current pot or your ability to improve your current pot, well, now you get the best of both worlds. Now, potentially, you move your product forward, you increase your floor, and develop an overall brand that that improves everybody, the individual and the department. But I think as that plays out, like I said, and you can really examine the data Someone could probably give you a much better answer to that, but either way, they're 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 just there's not a lot of great alternatives right now for, and it's not just New Mexico and New Mexico State. It's it's any non Power Five Division One football playing school. It, it's in a very interesting period of do we throw everything for a Boise State? Do we put everything into the hat to get to the Big Twelve or? 
do we just do with what we have and compete kind of where we're currently at? And it, it trickles itself kind of all the way down um, through the levels of teams kind of deciding whether they're in or whether they're out because the non-Power 5 football model is changing by the day, and a lot of those schools are just trying to get into the next round of Big 12 expansion or Pac-12 expansion or, or, or whatever it might be. And don't think for a second that Colorado State and UNLV and San Diego State and Boise State and the Mountain West aren't having those conversations. What can we do to get into that next round or not? And if they're not, you're just facing a really uncertain financial landscape for the future. And, and NIL has something to do with that. So I ask this as a follow-up, fully understanding that it's a lot easier to even think this way, being in my chair, than in yours. But you know, as we're talking about the scenario of of the possibility of that money taking away from the school and the rest of the student athletes and going to a couple, is it, is it worth it? Would it be worth it to even consider it from a potential branding or an exposure standpoint? Or you know, in, in a school in in New Mexico, is that is, is that something where where it really wouldn't even be worth it? I, I think. It's so new, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, you know, whether Joe O'Neill, who's the starting quarterback at Cleveland High School, and he's down to three schools, let's say it's UNM, let's say it's UCLA, and let's say it's Oklahoma State. If he goes to all three schools, they're going to map out, okay, here's what, here's what you can expect to receive in NIL. If we're so far off to begin with, then you have to question whether it's worth it. If we're just trying to get to an equitable level and that's something that, you know, we and whoever we happens to be, UNM, New Mexico State, whatever schools in this bind can can come up with an appropriate level where, hey, it's it's you're gonna make thirty thousand dollars if you go to this school, twenty eight here and thirty three there. Well, now you just probably are going to decide of what school you think is the best fit. But if if your number is not excessively above some of those others, it's, it's still, to me, going to be a pretty big stretch because of just the floor of all the subsidiary resources and products that they're able to provide anyways. Do you want all that money, but you can't fly charter? You don't have a chef making you a steak after practice every day. You don't have access to the to the mental health specialist or the nutritionist. And you're not or, exaggerating when I'm you're not. saying I mean, these things. Don't even things. kid yourself. Okay, these, I mean, this is a real thing. That very these, much so. Not only, you, may, you, didn't, you mentioned all these other benefits. Um, housing is another one. Ones. The, these these dorms that some of these schools have for these athletes are like the Taj Mahal in some cases, Paul. No question. The the the, the separation. If if you were a high school senior ten years ago and you did a tour at Colorado, at New Mexico, at Arizona State, and at Texas Tech, New Mexico might have been the best of the bunch if you really looked at it between the facilities, the opportunities, the history, the tradition. But once the Power Five money started getting into those schools, it started out as $20 million a year, and then it was $30 million a year. Now it's $50 million a year. It's going up after that. That money each year is just compounding, and they're just throwing all that money back into the departments with new facilities and new projects and new employees and more people and more just everything. And every year it just continues to build upon it. And the schools that aren't in the Power Five – you know, you're just trying to provide what you gave last year. You know, you're just trying to give what 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 you had. I mean, in my 
even four years at UNM. I mean, you're you're barely getting to where you were before the year prior. You know, like you're if you're lucky. You know, you're you're trying to just even get back by raising extra money and doing things like that. So it's an incredible challenge, and and it's not sustainable in the long run. Something's going to give at some point. Like I said, the Power Fives just break away entirely. You know, non-Power Five schools either just go all the way in and, you know, burn the ships and, and go for it or start to calculatingly retreat in certain ways. Maybe it is cutting sports. You know, maybe it is doing different things where you can compete in some areas and just acknowledge that maybe you can't in others. But those are all, as the scarcity of resources continues to grow at the non-Power Five level, just just big things that are going to impact college athletics, particularly in the state of New Mexico. If you're a fan of New Mexico State or you're a fan of New Mexico, um, these are these are things that are now going to impact you. And New Mexico State going to the Conference USA is just another kind of wheel in that. And and where it all ends up is is really anybody's guess. I can sit here and you know pontificate on all these things I'm talking about, but these are really just understandings in the industry. No one can really predict where this might end up with the next Supreme Court decision, the next governor, the next president, the next economic upturn, downturn. I mean, there, there's just so many different things that can implicate the result of, of this whole scenario. Man, we need to get some NIL deals around here to get some steak dinners after the show. <laughs> or I guess after show prep, because that would be practice. Joe O'Neill can do a little NIL deal. I'm sure he's been cornered here and there. You know, get that big ESPN dollar behind somebody. Coach, you remember I was able to get you out at the executive course at Ladera <laughs> in compensation for the time you did in studio with us last year. We'll we'll talk about it, Paul. All right, uh, we've got Paul Weir in studio uh, for a few more minutes. A uh, couple of things uh, I thought I would ask you about. Okay, your president down at Eastern New Mexico, uh, Dr. Patrice Caldwell, who hired you, yes. announced that she is uh, going to step down in June, I believe. Yes, uh, and I've you know I've got friends in that part of the state, and a lot of people are saying we'd love to see Doctor Weir oh, move man. from athletic Look director. At yeah, I mean, bringing this I'm, right I, at the end. Okay, uh, oh, so I mean, I, I've got to gauge uh, your level of interest and ask you about that, and then I am going to talk to you about the open house that Eastern's going to have this weekend because I know you'll be really involved in that. It's a big weekend down there in Portales. But first of all, uh, the situation with the president down at Eastern and whether you would have any interest in moving in that direction. I mean, that would be a huge call. How many years were you uh, a basketball coach related to, you know, athletics uh, now even, what, you said 17? 17. 17, 17 years. years. So, uh, Actually, you know, and I coached high school for two, so 19 Okay, total, 19. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, that would be a departure, obviously, yeah. a career departure. Um, and, and this is still months to come, but, it, you know, did that, uh, is there any interest in that, in, in trying to throw your hat in the ring for that? Let me say this. My first job was at Northwestern State University, and it was a university. And that, what city is that in? It was in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And um, amazing experience to be in a in a true college town where the college and the town are kind of together. One success is the other's success, and you're really inter- interconnected in that way. And I've never been at a university since. I mean, University of Iowa is such a big school. UNM is such a big school. New Mexico State as well. Like, there's, there's other things going on besides the college and the town. So I'm in one now in, in, in Portales, New Mexico. And to, when, you're, when you're at a school like that, there's really a sense of, of kind of 
community synergy of wanting to make things work. When when a new business comes into town, everybody's happy. When enrollment goes up, everyone's excited. You 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 really have that that connectedness, and it's a really neat institution type and and kind of opportunity for me to to professionally be involved in and to be able to help a university like that. It means a lot to me to, to the, the things we've done so far. It means more in a way to people there and the people that you kind of work with on a daily basis. So I'll say that to start. I really enjoy Eastern and I would love to continue to kind of help it grow and, and, and be the best it can be. The other thing that I think is, is going to be an interesting part of the next 10 to 20 years, independent of the athletic side, is I think just the future of higher education. I think the future of higher education as a whole is going through a very new, interesting phase of what's it going to be. It used to be pretty simple. Joe O'Neill went no different than I did. Your mom or your dad said you're going to college whether you like it or not. You go to college, you do your four years. There's invariably chapters in there of social experiences, um, relationship experiences, uh, professional experiences, what you're going to be, who you are. And I think as our society has evolved, higher education, maybe it isn't as traditional as it was. People are doing different things. They're not going to college. Maybe they're going to go do trades and services and all kinds of other things out there. And the on-campus populations are shrinking. I mean, they just are. You know, less and less people are going, living in the dorms, experiencing the things that that you and I did. And, I, and that makes me sad. It makes me very sad. I I, I I, I can't even begin to tell you why I'm at or where I'm at today and how education played a role in that. I've obviously been to a lot of schools and taken a lot of classes, as, as everybody knows, and I would never in my wildest dreams want to see the institution of higher ed kind of fade away. So if at some point those things intersect and I can be of service, um, that would definitely something that would intrigue me. Um, but as far as anything more than that, I'm very thankful for, for Dr. Caldwell for hiring me, and I'm, her, I'm here to serve Eastern New Mexico University in any way I can. You have uh, taken a lot of classes. I mean, are you taking classes right now? No, I'm not. <laughs> is this like the first time in like yeah, 18, well, in like forever you haven't, because yeah. while you were coaching from the Nacogdoches yeah. through the Iowa, through the New Mexico, you were always taking classes in addition to coaching. I know it's awful. I have a six-year-old and we have these, these rules of life I've given them. Right. So I said, these are the rules, you know, in case one day God takes me away, you need to know these rules. <laughs> All right. And one of them is go to school. So, you know, we usually drive to school and says, well, dad, how long do I got to go to school for? I said, well, I went till I was almost 40. And he's like, 40? So every day he says, hey, Dad, I talked to so-and-so. They only went to school they were this age. I said, no, 40's, 40's the minimum. So, yes, it's a, it's a wild experience. My parents were immigrants. All they really knew is you had to go to school. They didn't even know what happened at school. They just knew that's where you needed to go. They couldn't speak the language well enough or know what was going on. So eventually I fell in love with it and, and would – only imagine the doors that it's open for me in my life and would want to bestow that upon so many young people out there who maybe are thinking all kinds of different things about their future and neglecting the fact that going to an institution of higher learning can open up so many more opportunities and, and hopefully more of them take advantage of it than they are right now.
All right. Well, um, people can check out the opportunity uh, down at Eastern New Mexico. And all this information is uh, at enmu.edu. Um, there's an open house uh, coming up this weekend where you get personalized tours. They're giving away prizes. All that stuff is going on down in Portales this very weekend. You probably have heard the spots here on 1017 The Team. Uh, we Eastern was a, a partner with us during the NMA Boys and Girls State Tournament. Uh, if you want any more information on and the experience that you're hearing down at Eastern New Mexico from Dr. Weir and what I experienced myself, go to enmu.edu. All right, anything else, uh, Sam? I didn't leave you much time to rib Dr. Weir about how the Tim Tebow exper- uh, experiment hey, well, I have in a, Jacksonville did not go well. And I have a proposition. Uh, All right. Just going back to, to last year, because you know when, when Paul was in studio, he was... Uh, Tim Tebow's number one fan. You get him to come to Portales. I will get in the car and drive down there and make a personal appearance myself. We'll take a picture, maybe do a, an interview. Maybe we'll do the sh- the whole show down there. But if you get Tim Tebow to Portales, I will be there. I'm on it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Paul, uh, great, great guys, seeing it's you, good. man. I miss yeah. this place, man. I miss you guys. I miss hanging out, having these conversations. Our audience misses you. Yes, uh, quite honestly, I, I, Paul. I miss them. It's um, yeah. Gosh, this this was this was cool. I need to do more of this. All right. Well, when you're out uh, coming and going through Albuquerque, you know you've always uh, you're always welcome to come and join us here on Team Talk. Uh, Dr. Paul Weir, the athletic director at Eastern New Mexico, joining us in studio. All right, that is going to do it. We've got Hawks Knicks. NBA Hoops coming up next, right here on ESPN Radio 1017, The Team. Thanks for listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017, The Team, your New Mexico Broadcasters Association radio station of the year. Team Talk, weekdays at 4 on your New Mexico-owned and operated station, ESPN Radio 1017, The Team.